0: Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday morning. It's the sixth of December. So all night you've been talking about this incident in uh, in Leighton Stone. Another radicalised person. The police have said it's a, a terrorist incident. Uh, they managed to bring the man down. They tasered him. He'd been told three times to throw the knife down. The images on the television quite shocking, actually. But it could happen in any tube station in this country. There could be a lot of people like this who have got some sort of some sort of mental sickness. And uh, no doubt by tomorrow morning you'll be seeing pictures of this person and then presumably we'll see what he's charged with. I mean, is he going to be charged with terrorism offences? Is he going to be charged with uh, attempted murder? Who knows? Who knows? There is one person who is, uh, who is clearly in hospital at the moment. Details to come on LBC. All of that and more between now and eight o'clock. Sig's going to be talking about that at eight o'clock this morning uh, because it could happen anywhere. You, know, you, you don't actually get any advance warning. It's not like the IRA who would phone up and go, a bomb's going to be going off here and there. The, the, these people operate independently. They're, they're sick. You have to understand that they are sick. I mean, and by sick, I mean there's something the matter with them. They're not, they're not normal people. And I don't know what the answer is to them. We've said before, what do we do? Just lock them up with a load of other people, if he's found guilty of whatever crime it is they're going to charge him with, and I'm assuming he's going to be charged with something. I mean, what, 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 what do you do with him? Do you just put him in prison, and do we leave him there? What, I mean, what is the... Sol- there is no solution. There's no there's no uh, sort of deterrent for any of these people. It makes no difference. So if somebody can be sitting at home, and they could have been rad- uh, rad- radicalised by whoever or whomever on the internet, because it seems to be the internet most of the time, doesn't it? And they meet in little groups, and uh, and then they sort of commit these atrocities. But because they don't care if they die you're kind of fighting a losing battle. I don't really know where we go from this. This is going to be the start of many, I would think, especially in sort of parts of London, which you would think would be places where there would be people who'd been radicalised. Leighton Stone came as no surprise to me. I've been to to Leighton Stone. Some of these places look as though you, you're sort of, you wandered into a different place, completely different place. So somebody gets tasered on. Then they had a big discussion overnight on LBC. Would it make any difference if the police were armed? And the answer is, wouldn't have made any, what would they have done? Shot him dead. No, taser him, get him down, get him arrested. You know, I mean, he's, he's he's quite clearly an attention seeker. There's something the matter with him. He probably would have been happier if he died. But who knows? You know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see later on. It's all a bit sketchy at the moment, except for the fact that somebody filmed it and put it up on YouTube. And then you can see what it's like for people who are around there must have been very, very scary indeed. Other stories which are in the papers for this morning. Simon Cowell. This appeared yesterday in the paper. Do you remember when they said his house in West London was burgled? And then the reporter, I think from one of the TV companies, goes and stands outside his house. Why don't you put a big sign up, you know, going... You know, this is Simon Cowell's house. And by the way, this is where Richard Desmond lives. So this is where, you know, said, you know, rich people live. I've never seen anything so stupid in my entire life. At least when you do it on the radio, you can say, I'm standing outside Simon Cowell's house. On the television, she was practically sort of pointing out his security cameras are there. This is here, And I'm thinking, I will tell you what, love, let's come around to your house. Let's start pointing out where your house is. Everybody knows where it is, but you don't need to tell the uneducated, do you? I thought it was a shocking bit of television journalism. Uh, What was even more shocking was the fact that Simon Cowell, with all his money, has got such rubbish security that somebody got in. Somebody was actually able to get into the house, not set off any alarms, and rob him, because apparently the key to the safe was out. What? The key to the safe was out. I mean, I thought saves, perhaps I'm a bit old-fashioned, I thought saves had, saves had dials. You turned it six this way, and then three back the other way, and then one here, and then two, and then it opened. No, just a key. What was it? A huge key marked safe. £100,000 worth of stuff was, was taken, so they say. But then some of it they actually got back. Uh, I suggest that Simon Cowell, who's quite shaken by this, as indeed you would be, the fact that you were in bed, he didn't know if his son was going to be kidnapped. Who'd have known? In fact, to be honest with you, had his son been kidnapped, he would have been the last person to know. Because if this bloke who, uh, who perpetrated the crime was able to actually get into the house and get out again, can't be that difficult, can it? What sort of security Simon got? Or is it just all show? Is it just cameras and it doesn't do anything? Because clearly every single window in a £10 million property should have been, should have been uh, you know, they, they have these, these magnetic catches. They're ever so simple. And the moment the, the, somebody opens the window a little bit or, or breaks the seal, the alarm goes off. He's in a £10 million property, in a road with loads of other £10 million properties. But it was the journalist who was sort of standing outside. This is Simon Cowell's house. I thought, oh, God, blimey. Uh, the Yorkshire Ripper has demanded goose instead of turkey on Christmas Day. I can't help feeling, actually, for you, matey, no Christmas dinner at all. No Christmas dinner at all. I mean, the, this 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 con artist that is called the Yorkshire Ripper, this committed psychopathic murderer who's in prison dictating what he wants on Christmas Day. I tell you what, nothing. Nothing for you at all. Sit there and starve. Sit there and starve. You're diabetic. shouldn't be eating anything anyway. Uh, Shane Phelan's going on tour from Westlife. Couldn't quite understand it. I saw an advert in the paper today and I thought, um, oh, he's going on tour. Why? Who'd, who'd be buying tickets for that? You buy tickets for the whole of Westlife. You're not going to be buying tickets for Shane Phelan. I wouldn't have thought. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Uh, Tyson Fury, according to his wife, who's trying to do damage limitation, is a big softie. He might be, dear. But unfortunately, what he spouts is nothing but pure homophobia. I've never heard anything like it. Even Claire Balding's uh, other half has said this man shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a television programme. Well, somebody's going to honour him listening to what he... I mean, what, what next? Nazi apologists on the sports personality of the year. That, that's what it's akin to. You know, he's... I mean, I'll, I'll read you out later what he said about homosexuality. The wife, of course, is sort of trying to justify it. But they're both travellers. And travellers don't do gay you know, you don't go onto a traveller site and they go, oh, the gay one's over there. That doesn't happen. Does not happen. Uh, gay and a traveller, you get beaten up. It's as simple as that. Re- read the book Gypsy Boy. It's very interesting. Written by a, a traveller who was gay and who tried to get away and the, the travellers came after him. They came after him and the, and the person, his father, sent them after him to sort of teach him a lesson. Like, you know, you go, oh, I think I'll be gay today. Mm, no, maybe not. No, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. no. no. Let's do it Saturday. Saturday's busy day for gays. Let's be gay at the weekend. It's ridiculous. Over in the jungle, and they've, uh, they've all bought the story of Lady C, the delusional one, um, some man said she's a home wrecker. She's a, she's a fantasist. Uh, on one of the papers, she said here uh, that they, they, they had to let me go in the jungle with my fee because I threatened to sue ITV. She's, uh, she's all mouth, I'm afraid. There's no, there's no substance to this, uh, this nasty little piece of work, this bully. The one with a son called Dimmer. And Dimmer by name, Dimmer by nature, as I pointed out to you during the week. Dimmer, one of her sons, one of her two adopted sons, uh, said my mother was complaining about the room in the Vatarchi Hotel, uh, complaining about it terribly. And why? Why was she complaining about it? It had an ensuite bathroom. Apparently, Dimmer, aptly named, uh, said uh, bathrooms are separate; they don't have them in rooms. I thought it's called ensuite, dear. Perhaps he's never stayed in a hotel. Perhaps he really is dim. Perhaps he really is dim, we don't know. And would you let your three-year-old boy become a girl? One mother says, uh, yes, he, he's much happier being a girl. Three years old? So I don't know, because I'm not a three-year-old, so I've got no idea. But I, I, I wouldn't mind betting that most parents listening are going, at three years old, you tell them what to do. They don't tell you what to do. You know, and some little boys at three play with dollies, and they play with girls' toys, and they might like dressing up. But I don't think they really want to be girls, do they? Can you know at three? Is it, is it, can it really go back that far? I mean, next thing they'll be telling us it's in the womb. Two years to sort out the, uh, the X Factor, Simon Cowell says. And if not, uh, they're out the door. He needs to get rid of Spag Bowl. She's got to go. She's got to go. I mean, that, that old lady dancing she did on the stage was nothing short of embarrassing. Small wonder we don't let her back in the charts. But the good news this week, if there was any good news at all, was the fact that Ringo Starr's set of drums, estimated about 190,000, went for 1. 1.4 million because they featured on 200 Beatles recordings and it's just about, you know, about the most iconic piece of music memorabilia you could ever have. You know, to actually say, I've got the Beatles drum kit. There were two, actually. Uh, They used two. Um, And as I say, 1.4. What would you do with them? What would you do with them? This is the one with the lower... It's the dropped T. B-E-A-T goes halfway down and so it sort of gave it a, a complete new look. And I thought, you know, what would you? if you had that, if you were lucky enough to have 1.4 million, what in goodness sake would you do with it? Would you, I'd have to put it in a museum. I'm surprised actually some of the museums didn't buy it or somebody willed it. And you could sort of gift it to a museum. It's still yours. And it's got a plaque on it, you know, given by Steve Allen. Oh, so, I've given it away now, haven't I? I'm always giving things away on this programme. Honestly, it makes me laugh. Sometimes I give things away and I go, oh, I can't believe I just said that. It's always so funny. I always have a good old laugh at it. And so I've given that away that I bought the Beatles. I mean, I didn't want to give it away. Goodness only knows, you know, the auction was on sort of Saturday, but nobody heard about it till till the Sunday. So I thought to myself, if I can keep it quiet that I've got a spare 1.4 million. I would gift it, though. I would definitely gift it to a museum. I'd like to find out something. It's like I'd quite like to buy some of the Margaret Thatcher memorabilia. Because she had all sorts... And the the prices didn't seem too bad. The family, obviously. I mean, she was loaded. I mean, she was seriously loaded. Well, in fact, Dennis was really loaded, mainly with whiskey, I think. And uh, once they... Because I think Margaret Thatcher was actually going through customs at one time, and she got anything to declare, and she said, two litres of whiskey. And they went, uh, looking at the trolley, said, where is it? She said, Dennis has drunk it. It's an old gag. It was used, I think, on Spitting Image ages ago. So I I, uh, I I, repeat it this morning because it was well worth repeating and also because both of them are dead and they can't sue because uh, the dead cannot come back, surprisingly. I remember saying something about Frank Sinatra once and somebody said, they'll sue. Th- who? He's pushing up daisies. He's not going to be suing any time now. Frank Sinatra was associated with the mafia. Ta-da! Shock horror probe. Cristiano Ronaldo... Gay relationship? Well, you could have knocked me sideways. I read that in the in the papers yesterday, and do you know it never crossed my mind. I never, I, I never thought about it. Um, I just know that he's had various girlfriends. He's thirty, and apparently he goes for cuddles with a guy called Badrahari, who's in one of the papers today. Now, I, I really couldn't care less. I'm assuming at, at, at best he's going to be bisexual. He can't be totally gay because he has a child, doesn't he? And he's he's been linked with beautiful women. But there again, I can name you lots of famous Hollywood actors who have been linked with beautiful women. They're called beards, ladies and gentlemen. It's because to be gay is not particularly fashionable. But, you know, in in, in the case of Cristiano Ronaldo, would it really make any difference to anybody if he came out and said, yes, we are having a relationship? I mean, I, I personally couldn't care less. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather sit there with, with a dandelion going, one o'clock, pfft, two o'clock. And that's about how exciting it is. I've, I've lost, I've lost the will. They go, but he's really good looking. Like they're insinuating, oh, gay people are unattractive, are they? Well, some of them are, it is true, uh, to say. But you look at Cristiano Ronaldo and they go, isn't he the, the, the epitome of it? I thought, no, the epitome of it was Tom Daley. Tom Daly coming out, everybody's going, blimey. Didn't seem to have affected his career in the slightest. Not in the slightest. If anything, his calendar is one of the biggest sellers. And uh, because people go, he's hot. He's hot property. So he's gay. Who cares? Good God, you know, some people have got three ears and two heads and things like that. Nobody worries about them, do they? So the very idea, the papers get very excited about Cristiano Ronaldo. The funny thing is, it's a woman who's written the story, Carrie Ann Taylor. You know, I bet she's sobbing into her cornflakes this morning. And gay, and I loved him. He was lovely. You know, and you go, well... And people will say the same, don't they? say, what a waste. What a waste. Uh, Alexander Armstrong singing on TV, says Teresa. I thought, gosh, I didn't know he was a singer. Lovely voice. Lovely albums. Number one in the classical uh, music charts. And uh, Michael Meporgo as well. That interview with both of them is repeated this evening at nine o'clock on LBC. And Michael's concert is on Tuesday at St John's Smith Square. Uh, also in the papers for today, uh, Jeremy Kyle's wife blames him over the divorce. He didn't uh, didn't pay her enough attention. Uh, Silla's family, their sad wait for a gravestone. Somebody's stolen something from Silla's grave. I mean, I'm, you kind of hold your hands up to the heavens, don't you, really? Uh, Jude's law. Jude Law's ex has sold her story already. It doesn't until you see her done up for the paper, you suddenly realise they're better off out of it, I should imagine, for him. And the odd one out, poor lonely Karen Danshook, as one of the papers said, all she is is just terribly plain with big bosoms. And that's about as bad as it gets for her. Oh, and um, hedgehogs, it's your fault if you've got a gravel drive or an artificial lawn. That's why. Hedgehogs are being wiped out because of gravel drives. You imagine, you go, ah, ow, <laughs> hurts as they're walking up them. And artificial grass they can't get to grips with at all. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. 6.20, Sunday 6th of December, so over in Leytonstone, it kicks off yesterday. It doesn't make any of the papers today, mainly because they'd already been printed, I'm afraid, by that time. So you'll, you'll have to wait till Monday. Stig will be talking about it this morning on, on exactly where we go from here and what we can do. I've said, and I was talking to Petri, I came in here yesterday and I was having a chat to Petri and, uh, and she was saying, we both believe that something is going to happen before Christmas. It has to. I don't think it's this. I don't think this is it. I think this is just another one of these isolated people who, uh, who sits there by themselves in their little bedsit and spends all the time doing their own interpretation of what they think uh, the Koran says. You can watch the video of the arrest at Leightonstone. It's on LBC.co.uk. It makes grim, uh, grim watching. It makes grim watching. It's, it's not uh, not for the faint-hearted. Uh, and he gets tasered. Well, frankly, I mean, you know, if they'd been armed, would they have shot him dead? They might have done. They might have done. Tasering brings them down straight away. And then he rolls over as if he sort of... I mean, if somebody said to me, roll over and put your hands behind your back, I'd be having to think about it. He seemed to do it quite naturally. So we'll wait and find out. You'll probably find he's got history or something like that. And it'll turn out he's really called Eric or something. And uh, he's changed his name by deed poll. And he's uh, he started reading and hanging around with the wrong people. He's obviously lonely. He's very sad. We should really feel a bit of sympathy for him, but not somebody with a machete. Thank you very much indeed. As far as I'm concerned, thank God the police were there. And, uh, and were able to get, I think they actually got there within minutes, wasn't it? So it was a fairly fast, fast response. But 15 minutes, was it? But somebody, uh, you know, hacking at people with a machete, um, you know, it's it's just, I mean, whichever way you look at it, you know. I don't know. If the police have been armed, would they have just pulled the trigger on him and gone you're going down? Or do we want to see him suffer in court? Because he couldn't care less, I should imagine. I can almost predict what he's going to be like. I can almost guarantee and predict that he'll be arrogant, couldn't really care less, throw him in prison, couldn't care less. You know, um respecting the law, why should he? You know? And then attacks innocent people on a tube train because he's not he's not mentally stable. He attacks people thinking this is for Syria. What's it got to do with us? I never voted for it. So if he's attacking people on the tube, I mean, is, is he really one of life's big thickos like, like the, the stupid couple over in America who weren't even on the radar over in California at San Bernardino and they open fire? But so, so, oh, what can you say about them? You know, they, they, they have a child and, and they just dump the child. They, they, they would rather die and go straight to hell than look after a child. I don't know what what they think is going to happen. The family, of course, you know, as in all these cases, had no idea. Next door neighbors, no idea, because they weren't on anybody's radar. So they were able to buy themselves this arsenal of weapons. Uh, apparently, he'd been picked on at work a few times. He was a loner. He didn't uh, he didn't mingle with anybody. And she was quite clearly barking mad. And so they go out there and embark on this spree. I mean, there was there was no. They had to be shot dead. What were they going to do? Sort of take them into custody and well, listen to them spouting their vile diatribes? I don't think so. Talking of spouting vile diatribes, here she is, the acid queen of the jungle. You know, the novelty is over. Uh, Georgina Campbell, it's finished, love. I don't know where you think you go. What do you think? They're going to give you news night or something? Of course not. What, what do you think the end result is? Uh, she gives her final verdicts, like anybody really gives a forex what she thinks about anybody. She thinks that Vicky Pattinson is brainy and perceptive. Right. OK, so wait a minute. Where did I find this? Where have I found it? I knew I had something on Vicky Pattinson. In that when I say I had something on her, there was a piece in one of the papers today. Is this Vicky Pattinson? Yeah, she used to help top Premier League aces score with lasses when she worked as a club hostess. Really brainy, eh, Georgina Campbell? Really brainy. Once again... You're off out again. You're out on a little limb. All by a little lonesome. That's why you've been in the wilderness for donkey's years. She thinks that Fern is a capital girl with a warm heart. This is Fern McCann. This is the foul-mouthed one from, uh, from you know, I mean, really the disgusting one. She thinks that George Shelley, this is the one from um, Union J, she thinks he's a lovely young man with depth. I don't know if she means he should be dug down into the ground and left there. Kieran Dyer, she thinks, is the most intelligent man in there. She's obviously mixing with some very odd people. Yorgie Porter, fragile and vulnerable. I like her. Like anybody really cares what you think, actually. Nobody cares what you think. You're just some poor old trout from Donkeys years ago who wrote a book, who doesn't know anything about the royal family now. They don't, they don't talk to you. You don't mix with these people. Uh, any chance of being a socialite is just purely in your mind. On Duncan, Bannatyne, she says, I'll not speak to that piece of vermin. Mm. And, and on, on Brian, we made up because she she was homophobic towards him because she's like that. She's simple. We made up, I'll take him to Chinatown. God, look out, Chinatown. The old witch is on her way. I mean, you wouldn't want her anywhere, would you, really? So in other words, she's taking him to Chinatown. Could you not take him to somewhere classy, dear? Or do you not know anywhere classy? The answer is, she doesn't know anywhere classy. So she thinks taking him to Chinatown is uh, the answer. She says, Duncan has a chip on his shoulder, not half as big as yours, love. Yours is Harry Ramsden. Tony boasts bigger boobs than everyone apart from Susanna. And as I say, they're they're sort of, they're they're actually talking to her, you know, as if she's somebody, you know, to be reckoned with. She's not at all. Uh, Then she's sold the story about her colourful life. Uh, The colourful life was she's just a bit of a bore, I'm afraid. A bore with two dreary sons, one of whom we've heard lots of. Uh, She reckons that Colin Campbell wreaked havoc in her life. I pity him. Not as much as we pity you, dear. Not much. Me a snob, she says. Yes, you a snob. Funny that, isn't it? There's none so blind as those who cannot see. How can I be when I propose to my own mechanic for Ascot? It seems that she's tried it on with most people. Actually, that's what uh, somebody said. She's a she's a home wrecker. She's quite clearly, you know, not not the full shilling, as they say. I quite like that expression. Actually, she's not the full shilling. We saw that on television. We saw the bullying. She what she obviously had to do is she had to try and sort of get get noticed and put her cards on the table, and then get out as quick as possible. That's obviously the advice her agent gave her, who is Anne Diamonds for the husband. Yes, Mike Hollingsworth. Mike Hollingsworth, I think it is, who's uh, her agent, who's obviously guiding. He knows how to guide these sort of people. Uh, she'll be told what, what to do and what to say. And so she's got about four interviews today, but by next week, nothing. She'll have to go back to sort of repairing the roof. It's exactly the same. I was looking at a picture in the paper today of, um, of Fleur East. Now, I wasn't aware of Fleur. I've heard of Fleur East, but I'm not aware of who she is, apart from the fact she's got an awful lot of hair. And um, she's, uh, her debut album came out two days ago, but she's already got ideas for the next one. Now, my advice is, as indeed to everybody in this situation, lovely though she is, let's, let's get the first one off and running before we even think about a second one. Because there might not be a second one. That's, that's what you have to worry about in this day and age, that the music industry is terribly fickle. You know, one minute you can be riding high in the charts, the next minute you can be down in the gutter, like Sarah Harding. I spoke to a friend of mine the other day, Fat, and he said I wasn't even aware of who Sarah Harding was until I started listening to your programme. And I said, well, that's that's what we do on the programme. We actually talk about people and everybody go, who's that? And then people check them out online. They go, Oh, them. You know, in Sarah Harding's case, I think one of her, her, her companies is, is deeply in the red because she's not actually done anything that's made any money. The album bombed or the, the single bombed her her stint in Coronation Street dire. I mean, so bad. So bad. And of course, she started because she gets coverage in the newspapers because she's she's sort of what they're looking for. But she's now getting way too old for that sort of thing. And so they they gave her all these interviews as she goes into Coronation Street. You know, I'm going to be here. I'm hoping the character extends and all the rest of it. They've talked about that. Well, they couldn't wait to get rid of her because it suddenly dawned on them and dawned on every single TV critic. She can't act for Toffee. I mean, seriously. And and a much as though a lot of people dismiss the Emmerdales and the Coronation Streets in the East Enders, what they do is pretty miraculous. What they do is they're given a script, they learn it. You don't have a chance to go and... What, what's my mo- motivation here? The motivation is money. Now, read your lines. And that's what Sarah Harding can't do. She couldn't act. Her accent was all over the place. She was totally unbelievable. So they ditched. And they decided to get the heck out as quick as possible. So there she is, stuck now. No recording career, no acting, no nothing. And what do you do? What do you do? You know, all the others have sort of tried to get on and do something else. She's had a go at most things, but you suddenly realise that she was just... The one in the group who stood out because she was bleach blonde and she stood at the back and she postured and she pouted and she did interviews and then she fell down in the gutter and then she picked herself up again out of the gutter and then she fell in the gutter again and then she claimed she was an actress so they put her in St Trinian's. and then you realise that she was bloody awful in St Trinian's and so based on the strength of that and a couple of other minor little roles and she turned up for openings and went, oh, it's Sarah Harding. Who? Who is that? Sarah Harding. What does she do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so they've tried her on everything. And I don't know where she goes from here. I suppose she goes back to the place she came from. Obscurity. Because there is, you, you only get the one opportunity in this business. If you're lucky, you get two opportunities. In the case of Sarah Harding, there was no third opportunity. They've actually tried it all the way through. And, and, and they can't find anything that she can do. She can give interview and go, oh, it's been a terrible year. It's like if you pick up Fabulous magazine today, which comes free with the sun on Sunday. And so it should. Because you certainly wouldn't be paying for it. And they've got a picture of Danielle Lloyd. Talks moving on from ex-husband who broke her heart. I forgive Jamie, but I won't forget. This, of course, is the racist Dania Lloyd who abused Shilpa Shetty on Big Brother with Jade Goody. You know, all of a sudden, completely forgetting that, really, she's a nasty little piece of work. The fact that her husband broke her heart ages ago is of no consequence to anybody. She sells every aspect of her dreary life. But uh, it's the racism I shall never forget from her, I shall never forget it from the girl from S Club 7, and I shall certainly never forget it from Jade Goody, because what they did to Shilpa Shetty was nothing short of scandalous. You know, I'd have thrown them in prison. That's me again being all caring and telling you things in advance, you know, and going, oh, I'd like to throw them in. It's like telling you the result of a court case, isn't it? Every time I look at some court cases in the newspapers, I think I can I can predict the outcome of this case. I can see what's going to be happening. There are, there, there are various court cases at the moment, which I'm, I'm just I'm watching with a cursory glance. But I've, I've predicted quietly with friends of mine what the outcome will be. And uh, and so far on 90 percent of court cases, I've been absolutely right. Sickening, isn't it, really? Honestly, how to listen to perfection. Oh, here it is. It's LBC and it's 6.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Twenty-five minutes to seven. It's Sunday, the sixth of December. I trust you well. Just going back to that story, which they'll they'll carry on later on today on LBC. This knife attack at the the uh, East London Tube station out in in Leytonstone, and you watch the footage back on LBC.co.uk, and you can see the man there. He's they they. They say he's holding a machete, but it doesn't quite look big enough to be a machete. It looks like a knife, which they kick away from him. After they taser him once, then they taser him the second time. Then he flips over it and they arrest him. Uh, they put handcuffs uh, on him. Uh, they think he was just acting alone. I'm, I'm more interested in the fact that somebody shouted at him, you're not a Muslim, you're an embarrassment. He said, you're not a Muslim, bruv. You're an embarrassment. Which, of course, he is. He's one of these people who does his own interpretation. It's like listening to people interpret the Bible. Everybody, people interpret the Bible in different ways. Uh, and if you look at that boxer, he interprets it in a very odd way. He's got the most peculiar interpretation I've ever heard of a Bible. But his, but his wife's trying to do damage limitation. I think it would be an absolute scandal. An absolute scandal of the worst possible magnitude if this man is named Sportsman of the Year with some of his rantings about homosexuality. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, You know, the amount of gay people working at the BBC. I should imagine Claire Balding will be the first one to stand up and go, I think not. I think not. I couldn't care less what somebody's Christian beliefs might be. He claims to be Christian, but anything less than Christian would be hard pushed to find. Some of his rantings are about his wife goes, he's a gentle giant, you know. I couldn't care less how gentle he is. It's the spouting of this homophobia that I think uh, uh, has to uh, just exclude him completely. As I say, what what next? An apologist for ISIS, who's a sportsman or woman. Or somebody who supports the Nazi party. It's as bad as. It's as bad as. Uh, what else do we have in the uh, the papers for today? Um, I find it difficult to believe that people would steal something from Scylla's grave. It was a plaque that was on there. It wasn't just... Uh, that story that upset me during the week it was the one of the people who super glued that kitten's eyes together and you can't understand it was like the people who who broke the neck of that dog who's still alive but barely by the skin of its teeth poor thing, how can people ever do that to Anna, how can people ever do that to people let alone do it to to animals who haven't got the faintest idea. I mean, I've still got... Somebody Somebody at work, actually, I won't tell you who it is, but we were talking the other day about Paris and all the, the atrocities that went on over there, and the fact they sent in this dog into this flat where these people are armed with bombs. And I thought, and what in God's name do you think this dog is going to be doing in there? These people are armed with guns. And, of course, they shot the dog dead. And I thought... And, and somebody said, but it was only a dog. I said, well, it might only have been a dog to you, but to the handler... Who obviously, you know, had to put the dog in there. He's probably thinking, I don't think this is going to have a very good outcome. Perhaps I've just become too sensitive. Perhaps I've become sensitive about the way people treat animals. You see the most horrendous things that people have done. And, and you think to yourself, why would you ever want to do that? There's a man in the paper today. He's a motorcyclist. He, uh, he killed a woman at high speed. And uh, so he got banned from driving. He carried on driving. He's been done twice now, so he, he couldn't really care less that he's actually killed somebody. And you think, there is no deterrent in this country, is there? You, you can bet your bottom dollar you'll read of some horrendous act where people have actually uh, done something so awful you think, you're definitely going to prison. And then it goes into court and they come out and they go, a suspended sentence. A suspended sentence. Remember that poor woman the other day? She was selling a little Pomeranian. And she had it up for £550. So this woman answers. You only have to look at the woman to realise that from the wrong side of the tracks, she definitely came. And so she goes in and she goes, give you £300. So goes to the woman with the pomeranian. "Said no, it's 550 that's what it is. So this other woman, who'd offered 300 d- grabbed it from her and then ran back to her boyfriend's car. This woman chased her because she's got her dog and they trap her hand in the car door. She gets dragged along and they get a suspended sentence. She's a thieving little so-and-so. You know, who committed that. An and so they've got a picture of the baby, like the woman who sort of, who who bleated on that Primark was sort of anti-women who breastfeed, which of course couldn't be further from the truth. Primark's, you know, concern about breastfeeding women is almost legendary. They couldn't care. They've got those sort of people who go in there who do breastfeed. Don't make any difference. So you get this woman the other day who lies about it. Oh, my, my child was dragged from my breast. I mean, quite clearly, these people are not the full shilling. These people are not all there. They shouldn't be allowed out to mix with normal, decent human beings in a shop. They shouldn't be allowed... They should be under house arrest. We should keep them locked up. So she goes there and she takes it as far as the police. She's that stupid. She's that thick. She's that dim. I know they appear on the Jeremy Kyle show, but she didn't. And they they go there and she goes as far as the police and she carries on with her silly little story. Yes, I was breastfeeding and the security card came and dragged my child off my breast and walked away with it and said, if you want it, you'll have to come and get it. And I thought... How dim do you have to be? And in the case of her, she really was thick. So they take it as far. And then they, they the store, Primark, think, wait a minute, this is dragging our name. This is bespurching our name in the courts. And everybody knows exactly how, how good we are. So they trawl back through all the CCTV footage the day she said she was there. And they find her on CCTV shopping, shopping. No, no breastfeeding. No security guard. They first of all thought we haven't got a security guard who matches her description. She said he was some Asian bloke because she's intelligent, isn't she? So you can tell what other evil thoughts she's harboring. And in the end, she gets a suspended sentence. I'd have put her in prison. Child in care. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you can't go round like this. It was far too soft in this country. You can practically murder an an, an, an entire school nowadays. You get given a car, a house and probably holidays because somebody will go, oh, poor little you. Mary says, drove through Richmond en route to the Enchanted Wood, Sion Park, which was magical. Thought of you and Jane switching on the lights in Richmond. Twickenham. She's had a look at Sandy's fish shop. Wow. Yes, they are good. And Jim and Kate in Brighton said, we haven't seen last night's I'm a celeb. I've just pulled something. Falling out of bed... And well, I didn't I didn't see it anyway. So I've got no idea. Was there somebody voted out of I'm a celeb? I don't know. I don't watch any of them. I just read it in the papers. And then it says, oh, so and so. So if it's on the front page of the paper, then I'll uh, I'll sort of not believe it all the time. They seem to think Vicky Pattinson, uh, who acted as a a go between in a, in a club, she was a, a club hostess. I think we know what that is, dear. I think we're all well aware what club hostesses are. And so she uh, she's on the front page of the paper. Why would you want somebody like that winning? She says she's hoping to be a TV presenter. What? What? A TV presenter? Good Lord, I don't think so. And uh, somebody says you're not overly sensitive. If more, uh, if more people thought more about how to behave with regard to animals, maybe the world would be a kinder place. Yes, absolutely. And uh, but it's never, never too early for animal cruelty stories. I always do them on the programme, always. Uh, they've just closed the police station, 30 seconds from Leytonstone Underground Station. Well done, Boris. Years ago, Steve, I tackled four yobs trying to rub a young lad opposite the workshop. There is a piece on the LBC website. I think it was a four. Muslim boys, two of them Muslim, certainly, certainly looked Muslim to me, who robbed, they were a gang aged between 16 and 20, I think it's on the LBC website, because it, it came up on my, um, on my Twitter, and it's a gang of young men who left eight men severely injured, some of the things that they stole, a single Oyster car, uh, it was attacks against lone men in East London, such was the violence that in five of the robberies, the victims sustained very serious injuries. In one case, a single Oyster card was taken, and another, two mobile phones, a bunch of keys. The police caught the gang after tracing them with CCTV. And so Yusuf Akram of Sewell Street in Plasto, eight years. He got an additional one-day imprisonment and a £1,000 fine. Usama Aftab of Lucas Avenue in Plasto, Hamza Jawed, eight years. Uh, The other one, ten years. Mohammed Ibrahim Ali of Forest Gate, nine years. And Tamid Zaman, what a bunch of lowlifes. Never mind, your mummies and daddies can come and visit you in prison and look at you and think what marvellous children we raise, ladies and gentlemen. So there they are, they're on the LBC webpage and uh, and hopefully a total of about 46 years. Perhaps they'll stay there for the rest of their lives. Once once a nasty little piece of work, always a nasty little piece of work. And I bet you anything, you know, they'll be claiming religion and every, and you think to yourself, somebody's obviously misinterpreting this. Misinterpreting. Uh, what else do we have in the, uh, in the newspapers for today? We did. It's, it's mainly Lady C. Um, it's a dreary story of a boring woman uh, who harbours her own, her own problems, mainly in her own mind, I think. Uh, I was more interested in the little tiny story that didn't really get much coverage at all of the sunken Spanish treasure... Oh, I knew there was something else. I knew there was something else. The sunken Spanish treasure ship worth £11 billion. £11 billion. And they found it. Woo-wee. I'm going out there today on my lilo. And I shall dive down with my little water bottle uh, to breathe through. <sighs> and I shall be finding the Spanish tree. Imagine the Spanish treasure ship. And do you remember Wood uh, Wentworth Woodhouse? You know, that enormous house uh, which we featured on the programme... Oh, God, ages and ages ago. It's Check it out. It's the biggest frontage of a house in this country. It's the most beautiful place you've ever seen. Unfortunately, there was a rather evil person called Manny Shinwell years and years ago. And Manny Shinwell was an evil person. In fact, well, he's dead, so he was really, really evil. And what he did was he hated the rich. He was a real give it to me. He wanted that kind of stuff. And so they had coal under Wentworth Woodhouse, and he dug underneath their house. Unfortunately for him, and it was proven years later, that Manny Shinwell was a nasty little piece of work, and the coal under there wasn't the best grade. It was low-grade coal. But what it did was it shifted the house, so the house is honeycombed underneath by all these coal mines, as Manny Shinwell and his band of evil people started digging it up. Anyway, a short while ago, the house came up for sale. It was bought by a solicitor ages ago. Um, it's It's worth a lot of money. It's 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 quite a few million, mainly because you need to spend about 50 million on it. It's that big. It's beautiful. It is stunningly, stunningly gorgeous. If somebody embraced it and said, here you are, have this as a gift, you would go, oh, wow, but I can't afford to upkeep it. Anyway, uh, it came up for sale after the man who bought it died. And um, it was bought by a Hong Kong consortium. And I thought, oh, don't turn it into flats. Don't, please don't turn it into flat or anything like that. Anyway, the sale has just fallen through. The reason being, they've had a look under the house and, they, and they've seen that the coal workings, and if you watch the television programme on it, I think it's called Country House Discovered or Rediscovered, and uh, it's, it's shored up underneath, but some of the rooms have dropped a little bit. So it could be back on the market. There was a group of trustees trying to buy it. Let's hope it goes to them and they can try and do something with it. Just tonnes and tonnes of concrete in there might do something. It really might. 14... Oh, gosh, late now. 14 minutes to 7. This is Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 10 to 7. It's Sunday morning. It's the 6th of December. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is kind of the thing that's either going to get you really wound up this morning or you're just going to have a nice, relaxing day. Yesterday was chock-a-block. Chock-a-block. I came into London. I drove around. I did manage to find a parking space. Four hours parking in Covent Garden was £17. I mean, seriously, you need to take out a second mortgage. And you might have said, well, perhaps you should have uh, come in by the train. But to be honest with you, I had to bring in a present for uh, somebody who works on one of our sister stations, my friend Ian. And so I had to bring that in. That was a bit too big. I don't want to sit on the train with something like that. And I was meeting a couple of people for lunch. So just underneath us here, they put in a TGI Friday. So we went to because I thought, can't be bothered to trek around town. And i had been there before. And I, th- I thought it was quite reasonable, actually, for three of us. Admittedly, no alcohol. I tell a lie, I tell a lie. We didn't have any starters. I think I think um, I think we had what did we have? Chicken and two burger type things. They all seem to come with sauce, which is Jack Daniels or whatever it happens to be. So there's always some, some sort of boozy element, which is quite nice. I didn't complain about that. And it was two Coca-Cola's and I had a tomato juice. She wasn't sure the waitress. They're very smart in there. Everybody's uniform is very clean. Normally in TGI Fridays, they look like they've thrown the dinner down themselves. But everybody's spotless. And loads of staff. Seriously, it's the biggest place I've ever been in. It runs from the front of Leicester Square to the back. We have, incidentally, if you're coming to Leicester Square today, uh, a new uh, screen which runs along the front of the building. Pretty cool. I'm hoping, actually, they start projecting the studios, in which case I'll have to start working from downstairs. don't want to miss out on my fizzog being seen over Leicester Square. And, um... So anyway, so we we decided to go in there because I've only got like an hour and a half before the money runs out on the uh, on the paying by app thing. So I paid me 17 quid. So we we just have tomato juice. She said, I'm not sure about tomato juice. I said, listen, I've seen your bar. You must have tomato juice. It goes with vodka. And so then I had a vodka as well. And I had uh, a burger and the whole thing was 51 quid. Which for three people, I thought was I thought that was okay. Lots of kids go there. Music wee bit too loud for me, but that's just me being oversensitive. So we sort of did that, and all I kept thinking was Leicester Square is chock-a-block. We got the funfair in the middle, and we all walked back to, to my car, and I dropped them off at uh, Liverpool Street Station. Well, it was chock-a-block, chock-a-block out at the East End of London, and I didn't know where I was going. Luckily, we sort of uh, my friend Jordan had his sort of sat nav on his phone, so we went left, left, left. So because we're sort of getting the guidance, we get to Liverpool Street Station, and I throw them off, and then I head off up the road without realising I'm getting further into East London, and and then I got a sign for Shoreditch, and I went, I need to turn round. So you try turning a car round like mine on a road that's chock a block, morning Mark, and so I eventually turned the car round, headed back down the other way, and London was absolutely rammed. Everybody out shopping, and loads of tourists in town, and everything. I mean, it was. I don't mind it too much. But I did get back and we had a few few little problems at home. So Lynn and I were sort of faffing around with that. And um, and then I sort of thought, you know, I'm having a night in, putting my feet up. And a friend of mine, she should have gone out to go and have dinner with friends. And she said, you know, I just don't feel up to it. I've decided that I'm not going to go for dinner. So she cancelled it. I said, well, it's good for you. You must do whatever you want to do. If you feel a bit tired with something, then, then get some sleep. My friend Fat, that is his real name, Fat. I know it seems really, really odd. But he's a radio presenter. Oop North. OK, his, his parents have got a restaurant. And he's from Kosovo. And so I said, is fat actually short for anything? And he went, no, it's just fat. I think it, I forget what he told me it meant now. I can't remember. It's something like good or nice. or Anyway, It was. we had a really nice time. We really had a nice time. And Jordan I've seen on a couple of occasions. So that was lovely. Anyway, so then we, we sort of do that. And I get back home, put my feet up, watch a little bit of telly. And then it, it gets to about half past seven. And I thought, you know... It's, I can hear the wind outside, whoosh, and I'm thinking, it's Storm Desmond. It's coming in, and uh, there's going to be things blowing. Blur- I expected to drive in this morning and discover that uh, there was trees down and everything else, but so far there's not. So far, there's not. But up north, it's terrible. I've looked at some of the pictures in the papers of the flooding that people have had to put up with. And, I mean, that must be really awful. It ruins your hair, is not it? Look at mine. Look at my hair. Look at it completely. I walk out this morning. I combed it beautifully and I thought put the little parting in. And I walk out the door. One gust of wind, I'm back where I started again. So I put my headscarf on. I've got an old Hermes one. And I did that. Look a bit like Lady Diana. And uh, so I wandered around Knightsbridge, looking in the shops, you know, with a handbag on the arm. And then sort of decided to come in here. And I thought to myself, it's going to be really busy today. This is going to be the busy day for shopping. This is going to be very, very busy. Because yesterday, when I came into town, I was early. And I wanted to go and buy some candles. So I went to Joe Love's, which is up by Sloan Square. And there's no parking. There's no park. They have traffic wardens, and they're quite quite vigilant up there. But so, but I park my car, and it looks like it fits into the area. It fits very well. In fact, so much so tourists are having their pictures taken with it. So I'm sort of saying, you know, my hat on and all the rest of it. It is. It's really bizarre. You've never seen anything like it. It's the oddest thing ever. People sort of peer and go, get your hands off the car. Get your hands off the car. And so I had to wait for Joe Loves to open. And so, and I knew what I wanted to buy. I knew they opened at 10 o'clock. And I thought, if I'm really quick, I can get in, buy the candles and the shower gel, and then get back and find a parking space and then go off for lunch and a cup of coffee and come in here, which is when I saw you yesterday. So I'm out there, and it's quarter to ten. I'm thinking, oh, God, it's going to be forever. And all I'm doing is I'm watching for the traffic warden. And I park the car. You know when you're there, you sort of you, you rub your elbow along the car in case it's got a greasy mark on it or something like that. And my car looks quite clean most of the times now. This is definitely the advantage of having this coloured car. Grey looks filthy. Black looks filthy. Every other car colour except silver. Silver looks looks really nice. They, they don't call it Silver, silver Planet or something, Everybody, whatever it's called, it, it's not Silver, they give it ridiculous names. And so anyway, come 10 o'clock, they open the shop and I'm in there like an exocet, got my card ready. And so I said, and I wanted salted caramel. Who doesn't? Who doesn't on a Saturday morning? And so I said, I'll have um, five salted caramel candles. Now, they're going to be presents for people because they're, they're a little bit expensive just for me to burn by myself. So he said, uh, OK, fine. He said, we've only got six. I thought well, I'll take six then, thinking I'll ruin somebody's Christmas. I don't care. So I bought all six. And I said, you did do the shower gel, which is Thai lime over mango it sounds a bit exciting, doesn't it? It's like drenching. It's like somebody's standing above you in the shower, which in itself could be quite exciting. And, uh, and they squeeze mango and lime over the top of you. It's a bit like that. And they stopped doing it as a shower gel. Then they brought it out as a shower gel again. and said, it's just come back in. So I bought four of those. I thought, that'll see me well into the new year. Little squeeze of that rubbing it over my body. Mind you, two squeezes, because it's quite a big body to, to rub a lot over. So, uh, perhaps three, actually, on a Saturday, I don't know. And so so I did that, and so I've now got a huge bag. And in the meantime, I keep rushing backwards and forwards from the shop to have a look see if the traffic warden's there. Luckily, they avoided the car. So I get in the car, and I speed off five miles an hour, and because that's, that's top speed in London. And I go around Covent Garden twice, and then all of a sudden find the space. But then... I had this bit of a disaster because you know that the doctor has put me on these tablets which make you go toilet. You have to wee. You wee for the country. This is the side effect of these special tablets. They're like, I think they call it, it a diuretic or something. Whatever it is, it's something that you can't do anything about it. And when you get out of the car and you park in London, it's not like anywhere else in the country, probably where you put money in a metre. We don't do money in metres now. You put a credit card in a metre or your charge card. But this, I do parking by phone. When you really are standing there with your legs crossed and you're really desperate to go to the toilet, everything goes wrong. I can't. I've, I've missed a number. Could go back. Oh God! Try not to think about it. And all of a sudden you think, Oh, I think I'm going. No, stop, 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 stop. And so you stand there, and there's two people watching me while I'm doing this. And all I'm doing is I'm hopping from one leg to the other, thinking if I open the car door and squat down, could I maybe go to the toilet and they wouldn't notice. That's what I that's what I was seriously I was so desperate to go. I mean I mean I could have had one built in, couldn't I? I thought, you know, perhaps I need to have a word with the doctor about incontinence pads. But anyway, so eventually the car thing's done. I think right, So to- Where's the nearest toilet? I mean Covent Garden. I have to go to the Strand Palace Hotel. So I have to walk all the way to Strand Palace Hotel and go inside, trying desperately not to run or to let, let grip of myself. And I managed to get in there, so that was, they look at me like really peculiar because they have security in there, and I obviously looked slightly dodgy. And I was all prepared, you know, diabetic and all this kind of thing. But uh, eventually managed to get there, got back, and all in all, the, the day was absolutely quite wonderful. But I've had a couple of, uh, a couple of near misses on that. Uh, Tyson Fury... Sorry to mention him. Uh, there are calls for him to be dropped by the BBC. He's deeply unpleasant. He, um, he had threats of violence and claims against the Mail on Sunday. Oliver Holt says of Tyson Fury, he's a bully and a bigot who lacks the courage of his convictions. His vile homophobic slurs, his ranting about devil worshippers and Armageddon. Is this man fit to fight for the world heavyweight title? Is he fit to be allowed anywhere near the BBC to stand for Sports Personality of the Year? The answer, quite clearly, is no. That and more. The other side of the news, which is next. On Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday, the 6th of December. A bully and a bigot who lacks the courage of his convictions... This is the Mail on Sunday's exposure of the twisted beliefs of Tyson Fury, the man who should not be up for Sports Personality of the Year. I mean, that would just make a complete mockery of it. I mean, surely the BBC and their infinite wisdom cannot have failed to have read what he said about all sorts of things. There are only three things that need to be accomplished before the devil comes home, he says. One of them is homosexuality being legal in countries, one of them is abortion, and the other is paedophilia. Who'd have thought in the 50s and early 60s that the first two would be legalised? This man is off his trolley, ladies and gentlemen. Also, the Yorkshire Ripper. I want goose. I don't want turkey. I don't think you should actually have anything at all. And Jeremy Kyle's wife blames him over the divorce. Apparently, the reason she strayed, and I use the term advisedly, because that's the only way you can describe it, isn't it, really, is because he didn't pay her enough attention. Not surprised, dealing with all those toothless hags on the Jeremy Kyle show. Look at me, look at me. That's all he says all the time on the programme. In fact, I've always taken a bet now on how soon into the programme before he actually says it. You know, Look at me, look at look at me. It's, I'm surprised nobody's actually laid him out. <coughs> it is, I, mean, I I say that in a sort of a... in a caring sort of way. Because some of these people are on there and they stand up and the the women are the worst. Have you seen the women on there? Woo! Dear me. These people who've got tattoos and no teeth and everything else and they come on there in their fake ug boots and everything, shouting the odds... I mean, it, it, it is sort of masochistic television. It's, it's very voyeuristic. I don't feel I should be watching it. They do it in America, but in America they seem to do it a little bit better, whereas over here it just becomes sport for the chavs, doesn't it, really? It's a case of how many more people can we drag in from a council estate to have a fight over the fact you slept with her because she like, lived next door, didn't she? Because she's got three kids, three different kids she's got, and she's doing drugs. The amount of people who got on that programme are doing drugs. I shouldn't laugh at it because it's quite sad. In fact, it's terribly sad. Uh, Lady C is a marriage wrecker. She's quite clearly... I don't know what, what, what purpose she she sees in going on the television. She's made herself look a complete buffoon. She might have been entertaining for a little while, but we've had the five minutes of fame now disappear. I mean, what what do they think? Hosting Newsnight? You know, star guest on Blue Peter? Um, I did turn on the television the other day, and I, I did think that um, we'd actually had enough of Eamon Holmes. So we turned up on a Sunday paper, Eamon Holmes talking about his double hip replacement or something. A slight worry. Don't want to say th- things like that. But then, interestingly enough, was what one of the... Uh, I think it was in The Sun on... Yeah, Sun on Saturday. Somebody talked about Eamon Holmes on Sky Television and saying he's very sensitive. Well, we know this for a fact. He's got no sense of humour at all. He complained bitterly because somebody, and I think... Who was it? I can't remember. Was It, it was some... Might have been a comedian. <coughs> excuse me. Who said something about him on the BBC that Eamon Holmes looked like he'd eaten the furniture on the set. And Eamon reacted very badly and got that taken out. And she said in this interview, I don't know why it wasn't taken out, uh, that he's very sensitive and and reacts. She has to start censoring his Twitter things because of people writing stuff in. So I'm watching the television and, you know, we get Eamon and and love Ruth. Ruth Ruth is such a nice person, I promise you. I mean, if ever you're going to go out with somebody for a few drinks, she'd be the one. Unfortunately, he sort of tags along like the giant handbag and wardrobe. So I'm watching the television and on comes lovely Stephen Mulhern. He's doing catchphrase. And who's who's uh, one of the guests? Eamon and Ruth. My heart dropped. My heart dropped. I thought he must have millions by now. He, I mean, he seriously must have. He's not stopped working for God knows how many years. He's doing some high profile stuff. Anyway, he turned out to be the worst on the panel. And one, of the, and one of the other guests was Brian McFadden and his wife Vogue, or girlfriend, or whatever she is. And then it was Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. And I think they actually won. But, I mean, Eamon was the worst. He's supposed to be the intelligent one. He got £1,600, whereas Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer got 4900 How do I know these things? Because I watch television. Should I watch that much television? No, because I, I don't like to... You know, I'm a little bit funny about stuff like that. I watch them and I think, oh, I shouldn't be watching it. This is just dreadful television. I did say at the beginning of the programme that we had some really good news for you. And here is the really good news, Okay, Brace yourself if you're in bed with tea and toast and Marmite. The BBC, okay, that's the organisation that apparently it's yours, but you're not allowed anything to do with it because you tell them things and they totally ignore you. They're going to drop... Wait for it. Wait for it. Darts in an effort to save money. The only money you could save on darts is how much food they consume. You're not going to... Have you ever seen any of the darts people? They go to... At 180! And they're standing there, and they've got... I mean, these people are fat. And that's just the women. And they stand up there, and they've got tattoos, like, cut here around their neck and all that sort of thing. And all they go! Go, go on, Juge, Go on, you can do it! And, and, you, and you look at it, and you think, this is absolute rubbish. This is the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen. It only is, is, is marvelled, in my eyes, by bowls. Have you seen? Or, even worse, curling. Have you seen Curly... Oh, my God. Four people with brooms. It's the most... But bo- I've got a few ideas. Let me tell you, I've written them down. I've written them down. I'll show you what to do with the broom, ladies and gentlemen. And as for darts, let's make it more interesting. OK, we're going to turn it round. You're on the ockie. And aim for the audience. You know, that would be more fun. You could have people diving under tables and people threaten... Not that they get under the table, some of them. And they just sit there and all darts players have got their Jockey Wilson... You know, why would you want to put your pants on your back? Why would you want to what what my darts nickname? Steve the Exocet <laughs> I don't know I don't know. I always think this it's the most dumb thing ever. It's like it's like watching Snooker on the television. Grown men with very tight trousers leaning over a table. What are you telling me? It's the gayest thing on television. It couldn't be gayer if it tried. Goodness sake. OK, and he's going for the red ball in the pocket in the corner. What happens if you can only afford black and white television? They don't care about you, do they? They don't care about you. And for those of you in black and white, the blue ball is behind the green ball. Who can tell? It is the dull. Seriously, I sit there. I would rather watch synchronised swimming. And why is that only a girly thing? Is it only because girls can wear pegs on their noses? Is that the only people who can do it? Put the boys in there. I'm sure old Tom Daly could whip together some boys in the pool. He could have a bit of fun there. He could have a synchronised... I mean, surely boys do it, don't they? Or is it just girls? I mean, I've practised in my bath. You know, where you put your hand up and then you get one leg up. You look a bit like a Russian ballet dancer. But, I mean, I can do that. I can sink to the bottom of the of the bath and then shoot up in the air again. Sometimes with a firework in one hand. It's not a, not, not a pleasing look. Not a pleasing look. But anyway, uh, I just thought I'd mention that. Incidentally, I've got another idea as well this morning. And I'm sorry to mention this too early to the festive season. I realise that you'll all be thinking about um, giving each other presents. Can I just do a plea from the heart? If you make jam, please don't give it away as presents, OK? We don't want it, OK? We don't care. You know, people go, "I've, I've pickled my own onions and I've made you a jar, Stick 'em where the sun doesn't shine. I really do not care. Why is it that people who make jam go, and I've tied a red ribbon round? And you think, listen, if I'd wanted jam, I'd have asked for jam. It's, I know, I know you've wrapped it, but it is, these people in the kitchen, they go, oh, I've just made three jars of jam. Oh, I've made 42. I can't believe it. I know what, I'll put red ribbon round the top and write Merry Christmas with one of those gold pens you get. Have you seen them in WH Smith? Gold and silver. As if that makes a difference. What have I got? I wonder what it is. It's heavy. Perhaps it's a gold ingot. It's blasted strawberry jam again. We've still got last year's. Why do people give it to you? We don't want it. It's lovely. Give it to somebody more deserving. When I used to go to church years ago, before the baby Jesus decided he didn't want me to go to church, we used to do Harvest Festival. I took the same thing every year. A tin of carrots. Every year, a tin of car- Every year, what was the thing that was left? The pensioners didn't want the carrots. They wanted the jam. And so I've decided now that, you know, people who make jam or pickle... Pickle, that's a popular one, isn't it? Or pickled onions. I'll give him a jar of pickled onions, you tight-fisted so-and-so. I bought you an iPod. I bought you an iPod. And what have I got? Pickled, blooming onions. I can go and buy them. Haywood's the first pickles that bite back. I can go and buy this stuff in Waitrose. Don't make them. I don't know what your hygiene conditions are like. Wait a minute, what's, what's this in the jam? What's what's that? One of your teeth fell in. Oh, for God's sake. You know, you're supposed to have some sort of hygiene certificate. So please, please, for Christmas, I mean, if I can have one little plea, don't send homemade food to anybody. They don't, they don't really want it. They don't want things like that. What, what they want is sort of nice... Pre- money is very useful. If you're thinking of sending a present, money. Money would be very, very handy. And I, I quite like the idea of money. I don't get money for Christmas. I'm the, I'm the sort of person... people always say to me, what do you want for Christmas? And I have to invent things. So what have I invented this year? There's no point in buying me anything like, you know, an iPod or a phone or a new house or a car because I've got things like that. New, new house would be nice. But I, I've asked this year for thick socks. How dull am I? Gloves and white handkerchiefs. I must have got to that age now where I've run out of ideas. Or a colouring book, I thought. You know, they do colouring books for adults. You can buy these adult colouring books. I got the racy version. Whew. What colour did you paint it? I don't know. I didn't have that colour in the blasted blocks. Yes. Join the dots. Do you remember join the dots up? I could always make it rude. Whichever way you looked at it, I could manage to join the dots up. We used to have one of the one of the poor, poor guys at school. He had quite bad acne. And sometimes, as a joke, we used to join them up with a felt-tip pen just to make it look more interesting at Christmas time. <laughs> Oh, God, but we don't want homemade jam, do we? Definitely not. Um, Ashley Cole is going to be a dad for the first time. I say the first time, that's probably the only ones he knows about. Doesn't he have a bit of a history, Ashley Cole, of wandering around car parks late at night or something? Was that Ashley Cole? Didn't he cheat on Cheryl? He went out with Cheryl, didn't he? I'm sure he cheated. I'm pretty certain. That's why it it all sort of finished. Anyway, the papers have said today she didn't even know that he was going to be a father. And I thought, why should she? Why you don't have to phone her up and go, oh, by the way, love, a little pet. Hello. He's he's got her pregnant. Doesn't matter, does it, really? Uh, What else do we have in the paper today? I'll still come round to the fact that um, this Spanish treasure ship, I want to know more about it. I really do. But I think, actually, if you want to read word for word what Tyson Fury said in a mail on Sunday interview last month, you need to pick up the, uh, the, the paper today. The chief sports writer, Oliver Holt, it says there can be no excuses for world champions' malicious views, and they are vile homophobic slurs, ranting about devil worshippers and Armageddon. I mean, quite clearly, he's a simpleton. And he should not certainly be up for the BBC Sports Personality of the Year unless you're going to start dragging other people out there and all the people that we hate as well. They go, I mean, I I can't see Claire Balding have anything to do with it if this man even even gets nominated. It really is quite ridiculous. Quarter past seven. Morning, everybody. 7.20 is the time. I'm totally convinced that when I went out, when I came in earlier on this morning, it was snowing. And I say not proper snow, but it was that rain where you look at it and it, it goes onto the pavement. It's a bit sleet. And I thought, if it was ice cold, then it probably would have turned into snow, because I'm desperately waiting for snow. All I've got is wind. And the only thing that's good for that is a kite. And so, and I, and so I put my little umbrella up earlier on, and, uh, and the wind took it inside out. I thought, well, that's a pointless exercise, isn't it? So you walk along with an umbrella, which is not actually up. It looks a little bit silly. But that's what they've said. I don't know what the weather forecast is for today, but I shall have a, have a quick look. Uh one here, uh, Daryl says that the J- Jeremy Kyle show is truly ghastly. Uh, it's humanised version of bear baiting. It needs to be axed. I don't, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what the audience figures are for the Jeremy Kyle show. I really don't. If it, if it didn't have audience figures, then it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't still be on the television. But they seem to quite like it. They actually seem seem to quite like it. I, I'm, I do also... I do also think that it, it is sometimes bear baiting. It is, but that's. But they all sign contracts to go on there, so it's. it's you know, they haven't actually. It's not as any surprise. <laughs> um, it's it's very interesting. It's very very interesting when you actually look at uh, at sort of the way the program uh, works. That bloke Tyson's Fury is a very strange bloke threatening the chief sports writer at the Sunday. Uh, yes, I mean if you read it. You can see, actually, uh, exactly what it is that he's, uh, that he's been saying. He quite clearly isn't the most intelligent person in the world, but he certainly should be nowhere near sports personality of the year. Not spouting that kind of stuff. I mean, what would they be putting up next? Abu Hamza. You know, it's as bad as that. Uh, it's, and it really needs to, be, uh, needs to be sorted out as quickly as possible. So definitely not, uh, not, not putting him on there definitely not putting him on there they should, uh, they should just take him out of the equation it's as simple as that uh, Stan Collymore says Wendy yes we know about that Ashley Cole I'm sure he did cheat with Cheryl because that's, that's how they stopped going out and then, and then she was in the, in the wilderness for some, for some while and anyway then he's with another girl now and, uh, and she's pregnant so that's good isn't it really so I'm sure we're very happy, but the, the papers have done a thing saying nobody told her she found out online apparently. And I thought, well, they're not going out. What is it? He's not going to phone her and go, by the way, I've got my current girlfriend pregnant. They don't do things like that. They don't. It doesn't make any difference. Like you don't have to tell people, do you? Uh, what do we have here? Um, hum, 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 hum. I say five hundred thousand pound cowl gems. Security guard's incredible chase story, which is good. Uh, Strictly Come Dancing bosses have gagged all the people on there. Um, after some made claims, the contest was fixed. This is the silly little Ola Jordan. But as I say, finished. Finished. Nobody's interested in her. Lady C stole my husband. Uh, this is Geraldine. She's not a lady. She is no lady. Uh, she's just just deeply unpleasant. And uh, I don't think she knows anybody titled at all. I'd be very surprised. The boxing champ's wife on his battle against depression. Oh, we've got that one coming in now. He's a big softy with me. He cries at Disney movies. He's very odd. I'm afraid, darling. This is Paris, his wife. He's uh, he's got some very odd thoughts. He thinks a woman's best place is in the kitchen and on her back. I mean, this is you can only realise the rank stupidity of this bloke here. Uh, he talks about um, Jessica Ennis. He talks about Vladimir Klitschko. David Hay and um, and on homosexuality, also, you know, all sorts of things. He's quite clearly not the sharpest knife in the drawer. BBC aiming to drop darts to save money. I mean, how much money does it cost to put a dartboard up? Can't cost that much, can it? They must be, uh, they must be very cheap, I would think. Very, very cheap. I mean, no, it must be really, really cheap. I mean, a dartboard and somebody sort of standing there. Uh, Alice says, agree with you. Uh, people just give jam away because they end up making too much... I think, uh, I think it's, I think you're quite right. Uh, Janetta, thank you. And uh, she talks about this, having to go to the toilet bit when you're on long journeys. Oh, nightmare. It is a nightmare. I didn't realise until I started taking these tablets, just how bad it is. Uh, Jackie is in uh, deepest rural France this morning and uh, thinks it's nice. Uh, The new tablet... Is it... I couldn't, I couldn't... I don't want to mention any tablet names because I don't know what this one is called that I'm on. So I shall I shall find out and then let you know. Uh, Mohammed says, you're, uh, thank you for knowing that the crazy man doesn't represent my faith. No, he doesn't. That's what somebody said to him. They said, you're, you're not a Muslim, bruv. You're just an embarrassment. And absolutely, I, uh, I totally agree with with that. Uh, another one here. Uh, Marlene says, how long will Pistorius serve in prison? I don't know, I can never guess things like that. And so they, they couldn't get the, the court case right. And so I, I'm, I'm not uh, not holding out for anything at the moment. I don't know what, what's going to happen on that one. We will watch it on LBC, as you know. And you know that Stig will be talking this morning about this event in, uh, in Leighton Stone. Um, they have also doing a big campaign within the government now. Department of Transport are doing think, drink, drive campaign. And what they're, what they're almost saying is, why don't we just go for zero alcohol? Wouldn't that make it so much easier? Because a second drink, they say, can double your chances of a fatal collision. And I do see bad drivers on the road, as indeed you do. You probably see them on, uh, on, a, on a daily basis. A daily basis. And I always worry, I think, how much alcohol have they had? And it's not so much, you know, uh, them I'm worried about. I'm not r- worried about them in the slightest. I'm more worried about the effect that they can have on other people. I think on a daily basis, there are accidents. 90% are caused by either people not concentrating properly or they've had a few drinks. And over the festive season, my advice is don't drink at all. If you're going to be driving, don't. I did not adhere to my own policy the other day and I did have one vodka. I had one vodka with my tomato juice, but it was so diluted. You probably say that doesn't actually make any difference, but I'm I'm very good. Somebody said you driving I went yes, yeah, so just one drink, thank you very much indeed. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't dream of having anything else, wouldn't dream of having. It. It's just just too dangerous. A lot of people were giving me advice over the week on Yorkshire puddings and whether or not you can do sweet and savoury, whether or not some, some lady wrote to me and said that her dad used to put jam, jam in the Yorkshire puddings. And, and I thought, well, that's great. I mean, I, I have eaten Yorkshire puddings, not not very often, about once every three or four months. and uh, And I certainly wouldn't be doing jam. I think the, uh, the, the the jam and the sugar in it would just send me through the roof, and I don't I don't hanker after jam. I never did, even as a child, when we would have uh, you know jam on bread and stuff like, like that. Tea with oh sorry, I only went into the song then from the uh, from the movie, and decided maybe maybe safer not to. And uh, Jackie from Paddock Wood, she's uh, back in hospital again. I think seriously, Jackie in Paddock Wood has got um, she's got shares in her hospital. Anyway, hope the Sprouts fridge magnet arrived okay. says Karen. It did, and it's proudly on my fridge at the moment. So that's very, very good news. Uh, Thank you very much indeed for uh, all of yours. Tony, thank you for that one. And uh, it's uh, very, very interesting. Very interesting. And very quickly, let me just do this one here uh, from uh, Mark. They were married, apparently. Ashley Cole and Spagbol didn't just go... They were married, and uh, how were they married for very long? I don't I come trying to find stuff out on the Internet as to how long they were married for. I, I agree that Ashley Cole and her, I didn't think they were a match made in heaven at all. I, don't, I really didn't. And uh, Carol says the boxer fits the old adage perfectly stronger in the arm, weak in the head. Yes, I, I totally agree with that one. He certainly has pronounced all sorts of things. Have you ever heard of Mark Wright and Leah Totten? No, you see, nobody around here. Not a thing. There's a picture of them. I'm none the wiser. Apparently, uh, they were on The Apprentice. <laughs> and? So? And apparently, they've hired each other as love interests. Internet marketing expert Mark, who won the BBC series, has been dating beauty clinic owner Leah for the past month. Yeah, wonderful. I just, I've just i given up with The Apprentice. It's like there are so many different... Pre- they were married for four years. Well, Ashley Cole and Cheryl... Were they really? Good God, what did they talk about? Hardly the brightest pennies in the box, are they? So, why I pet? What did you do today? I, I uh, I, I, breathed and uh, got up and uh, and did my hair, because I'm beautiful, because I'm worth it. And, uh, and then he went, yeah, all right. And the, I can't imagine what they talk about. But mind you, I look at these, uh, these sort of um, celebrities now in the newspapers and I can't quite work out what they've got in common. They never seem to talk to each other. Huge panto paydays behind you. They're saying now that they get people cheaper. Uh, talking of people cheaper, believe it or not, Katie, a whole new world. Price is in panto this year. She's uh, she, she's playing something. Apparently she's the wicked fairy. She's certainly wicked, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know, can you ever have believed, ladies and gentlemen, Could you, in your wildest dreams, that a, a failed glamour model who made a pornographic film is actually starring in pantomime in front of your children? I mean, you could not make it up. What next? Convicted drug dealers on the stage? Oh, here they are. They've served their time in prison and they're now playing Chief of the Elves. Couldn't make it up, could you? 7.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 8, Sunday morning. I haven't looked out of the window yet, but it's still dark. It's still dark. Uh, Cara Malone, who tells it like it is. In her column today, talks about uh, after months of uh, publicly slagging him off, Karen Danjuk was pictured out with ex-husband, Simon and his new girlfriend. Some say it's odd, but I don't think it's the vaguest bit odd, she says. After her split from the MP, Miss Danjuk realised pretty sharpish that when she's not attached to anybody famous, nobody's interested in what she does or says. No, she's just a round-figured woman, round-faced. Without her high-profile husband, she's back to being what she always was, a nobody with big breasts. And uh, so, like the limpet she is, she just latched back onto the publicity machine, and it worked. She made the papers, but of course, nobody's remotely interested in her. And that's the that's the sad thing. Once these people do not have the oxygen of publicity, they just disappear. I think they fold inside out, and then they go bye, and we go see you, and that's just about it. Uh, Cheryl and Ashley were married. Yeah, we know for, for how long. But for how long? That's what we need to uh, know. Yvette Fielding says she was much funnier in the jungle than she was portrayed. Uh, Yvette, you were never funny. The only thing that's funny is that limp programme, and lame programme you do about... Oh, what is that? What oh, what's that? Something, something in here. Something... I can see it. I can see it. I can see it now. There's some... it's... Is there anybody there? Uh, is there anybody there? Who is it? Are you a ghost from a dead person? Okay, we take that as a yes, shall we? And that's how it goes. That's how bad Most Haunted is. The only thing most haunted is how her face ever takes that much makeup. That was the haunting thing in the jungle. They went, and here's Yvette Fielding. And I went, where? And they went, here. And I went, where? And they went, this is her without makeup. And I went, scary bloke exactly what it was and so she's, uh, she's got that dread I'm, I'm hoping, seriously beyond hope that they put that programme out of its misery it's the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen on the television anybody ever buys into it I mean seriously, get your brain tested for goodness sake Kevin O'Sullivan, very interesting on the uh, on the um, on the television talking about uh, Sarah Platt Sarah Platt is in uh, Coronation Street it's the worst character I've ever seen it's, it's so boring her and her ex-husband, very dreary Uh, and uh, what else do we have Uh, we had um, Lady C's untimely demarche which has dwindled into a battle of the reality telly bimbos, it is full of bimbos isn't it, and that's just the blokes just the blokes on the television, you know, Lady C she's had her day, she's had her five minutes very nice indeed, now bye bye, thank you, goodbye I don't know where she thinks it's going to go after here we're not exactly going to be going for any recipes she doesn't seem to have any friends her friends are very short on the ground she's hoping to turn her, uh, her dilapidated castle into a wedding venue why? Well, who'd want to go and get married there? And Jude Law's ex-lubber today re- reveals how the Hollywood star walked into her life by stepping out in front of a car on the school run. So they've got a picture of this girl called Rachel Borlier. Um, Rachel Borlier, I mean, and she could be any age, she could be anywhere between 40 and 90, 40 and 90, I would think that. What did I read the other day? There was a bit in the papers. It was in, actually, which paper was it in? Because I remember going through it and going, they're having some sort of laugh, aren't they? It was a picture of Alicia Duval. Remember Alicia Duval, who sort of made her grubby living by sort of selling dreary stories? But uh, it wasn't wasn't that, actually. It wasn't the fact that that this was a, a grubby story about Alicia Duval, who, frankly, I thought had disappeared ages and ages ago. It was the fact of how old she is of how old she is and I'm trying to find it actually and I can't find it. Oh, there is a woman in the paper. She's a farmer's girl. She eats 3,000 sprouts a year. Pfft, amateur. 3,000 sprouts a year. As I say, you either love them or you hate them. I absolutely love them. Uh, now, why did I save this bit here? Oh, do you know who's still doing the rounds and you can't believe it either? I was Jodie Marsh. God, I thought she disappeared completely. <coughs> but apparently she's uh, she fronts some programme, Jodie Marsh On, that uh, I shouldn't imagine anybody's ever seen. It must be watched by about sort of two people and a sheep farmer. That's about it. I mean, her, her, she was never a presenter. She was a dreary little person. Uh, more on uh, Simon Cowell and that robbery at his house. More on the, the parents' decision to let their son three live as a girl. They've got one, two, three, four... They've got five children. Um... Uh, they live in this country. I thought it was originally an American story, but it's not. It's a story from uh, from Leeds and uh, the boxer's wife. This is Tyson Fury's wife. He can sound terrible, but he's not really like that. No, he's exactly like that, dear. He's exactly like that. Don't be. Si- we're not. We're not stupid. Please don't treat us as stupid. Mylene Klass, who wore that sort of, her her, her bedtime pyjamas out, even though her mother said don't, but uh, quite clearly Mylene Klass does what she wants to do, so she totally ignored her, and she went out in her pyjamas, and then people take a picture because she's wearing a see-through outfit. Uh, Rachel Bletchley is saying that uh, Helen Mirren has been drawing flack again. It's it's just that she's, um, I'm just a bit bored with Helen Mirren. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. And Alicia Duval, they say Celebrity Big Brother star. She was never a star. She was always one of those desperate people circling television and the newspapers to try and find some sort of outlet for her dreary, boring stories. They say Cosmetic Ops Addict. And you've never seen anybody look more peculiar. Her, her implants are leaking. And yet she's only at the age of... She claims to have spent more than a million pounds. But, of course, people over-exaggerate on this. I'd like to see absolute proof of that. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, she could die from burst bottom implants. She's had bottom implants. I mean, that's how mad she is. And she's 36. I thought she was about 70 now. I would no idea that she's only 36. I mean, she's, she's been a, a bit of a millstone around the newspapers' necks for ages and ages. She's tried to find any story she can to sell to them, depending on who she's either been out with, which turns out most of it a load of old hooey, uh, and the other time about this cosmetic rubbish, which she's now trying to latch on to. And uh, I'm not being buying into that at all, I'm afraid. It's just that people, so they then send the, sell a story. As opposed to selling a story about having, how you've had stupid bottom implants, why don't you just go back to the, uh, to the cosmetic surgeon? That would make more sense, wouldn't it? As opposed to sort of, you know, trying to do your dreary story. A bit of an embarrassment all round, but only 36. I mean, seriously, looking at the state of her, I seriously thought she was pushing 60 at least, at least, if not 70. Uh, Trails of destruction. This is uh, Hurricane Desmond or Storm Desmond. Uh, Terrible. I mean, you know, in Wales, people enjoying the sea foam. Not the brightest pennies. And then people at uh, Senan Harbour dodging the waves. I mean... (laughs) You can't help feeling, as the waves crash over the top of them, these people are the thickest in the world. One man dies. He was blown into the side of a bus. Blown into the side of a... Admittedly, he was 90. Home's in three foot of water. You know, all those people who go, oh, it's lovely. Oh, we love looking at the river. Oh, come into the kitchen. And, uh, oh, it's in the sitting room. We'll have to move upstairs in the house, won't we? If, of course, you're lucky enough to have an upstairs. And so, uh, for for up north, it's bad. What we're going to get down south, because we are down south... Uh, is the aftermath? The rivers will rise because it all goes, it all goes sort of down, and then it takes about a few, few days, few days for it to actually get. Oh, I've done something wrong with my computer now. I never know what I'm doing here. Sometimes I sort of faff around with this computer, and other times it works, and other times it doesn't. And at the moment, it's not, so I don't know what I'm doing. I do need technical support, yeah. It's just I need to get rid of a screen that I've stupidly opened up. And sometimes I open up a screen and then uh, there's normally a little cross at the bottom of it. And I can, uh, I, can, I can click on the little cross, normally on the right-hand side, and I can lose that bit there. But I can't, I can't, I know, I know. Don't tell me, don't tell me now. Is have only got 17 minutes of the programme remaining. It's not my fault. I don't, I, don't, I don't want that. I want that bit to go. Okay, that's the bit there. Okay. Where we go. Oh It's gonna take forever, isn't it? This is this is quite clearly gonna be when you're gonna to need to phone support somewhere. I used to get I used so you can't do it either. You can turn it off and on again. No I haven't. What I normally do is a box on the bottom of my screen and I can click onto it and and that then takes that screen away. But it, it says close on it, but it doesn't say close on that one because I've lost it. So you can't do it either, can you? Useless. Totally useless. What's the point of having support staff? What is the point? I've done my best, ladies and gentlemen. I've talked about the pantomime. I've talked about the fact that the money's down this year. You know, some people can make a lot of money out of panto. I mean, you know, we we are talking 50,000 a week, 100,000 a week. They reckon that's what Katie Price will be getting. I don't think so. You could probably get her for a couple of... That's it, lovely. Thank you. Oh, We've turned off the computer. We've got to start one over again. But I'm not one for complaining. I don't like to complain about things. I'm just always very grateful when people come and uh, help me out. Thank you. Blanche says, have you seen our baby tangerines? No, not yet. I'm, at the moment, I'm doing these little tangerines, which are from um, Spain. Small, but juicy. That's what they say, isn't it? Uh, Steve, if you think Most Haunted is bad, the spin-off programme, Derek Acora's Ghost Tell, make you uh, squirm. Yes, I I agree, actually. I did watch a Hammer horror film the other night. Do you know, I turned it off. I've decided I do not want to watch frightening films on the television. What is the point of them? What is the point of sitting there and they go, I'm going to kill you. And they they, said, no, no. I turned over to something much, much happier. Uh, Dinah Doors was in it, apparently. So, we love Dinah Doors, as you know. Uh, Another one here i just uh, tuned in during your ghost jokes, says James in Eastbourne. God, I bet it's lovely down there, isn't it? Absolutely lovely down in Eastbourne. Worst Christmas TV ad, Tesco's coupled with a teenager. I love all the Christmas ads. You won't find me complaining about any Christmas ads at all. I absolutely love them. Seriously, I mean, I, I really do. I think they're absolutely brilliant. I think they're very cleverly done. Even the spoof ones... Even the spoof one, Derek Akora, I always thought was a little bit uh, rubbish. Always a bit rubbish. He was sort of. Do you remember the time he was? He was sort of. A, sort of. Uh, he, he had the voice of a dog. Woof, woof, woof. And I thought, honestly, you must think we're really stupid. We buy into this, don't we? Well, I, I say we actually buy into it. Uh, I don't. I don't want to buy into it. I really don't want to buy into it. But I'm just amazed. I think it's cheap television. I think it's cheap television. I don't think it's anything that you need to worry about. It's not going to be changing the world anytime soon, is it? I hope not. Uh, on the subject of uh, snooker, and uh, why do the BBC show hours and hours of snooker, says Stephen Goer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I've got no idea. Perhaps it rates. But I've, I've a sneaking feeling it uh, it doesn't rate. I don't know. And uh, late night doing a wedding with my brand smacking new love letters, says uh, Dan. Home at 2.30 and already in Ashford, Middlesex, collecting our sweet cart that was out on hire the other day. Woo! That's smart, isn't it? See, that's always good news. Coming up to Christmas, that's what you need. Quarter to seven. Eight. Steve Allen on LBC. <laughs> Leading Britain's conversation. Stig Abel, this morning from eight on LBC. Stig will be with you just after eight. He's going to be looking at, uh, at that story. Also, the, uh, did he mention UKIP as well? What is the point of UKIP? What is the point of Nigel Farage, you know, uh, if he can't get elected in in Thanet? Uh, He's not going to be talking about uh, uh, Geraldine What's-Her-Face, the uh, the so-called socialite. They say, shameless, rude, howlingly funny. No, just a bit simple. And she was never funny at all. And so Wendy Lee's done a piece. They say the Celebrity Jungle interview they all wanted. Every other paper's got it. So, nothing new at all. Uh, Cowell fires guard after Raid Error, sorry. This is the story that came in on uh, Saturday about Simon Cowell being robbed at home while he was asleep. I mean, it could have it could have had dire consequences. Somebody getting into his house. I mean, had that been a crazed gunman or something like that, you've got to look at the total extreme to realise he needs to beef up his security. Or, failing that, just move out of London. There was a an advert in Country Life this week. It's a very interesting advert because it's a house for sale on an island somewhere. And they say this island is so safe, so safe, that you can leave your car unlocked with all the doors open and food and everything else in the boot and nobody would touch it. That's how safe it is. And I remember when I was younger that it was safer. You would leave your... I used to leave my front door open. Seriously, neighbours used to wander in and out and um, never ever thought about, you know, being burgled. Nowadays, that's the first thing you think about. People thieve from outside charity shops now. Thieve from outside the charity shops, then go to car boots and sell it. Not their stuff, but if it's sitting on the pavement, it's, uh, it's fair game. Uh, the Tatler Tories sick taunts over the suicide victim at Soprano's Crab Shack ambush. This, uh, this story is rumbling on, and at last they've had a, a, sto- uh, a Tory standing up to the bully. They say all these cronies, the Tatler Tory scandal took a new turn after it emerged that Mark Clark and his cronies are Freemasons. They've said that they're members of the Phoenix Lodge, based in Wandsworth, where Clark lives, and meet there to hatch political plots. The intrigue deepens, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and they've got a picture of uh, Andy Peterkin in Freemason regalia. Uh, there are around a quarter of a million Freemasons in this country. Uh, what do they do? They'll, they'll tell you they're a charitable organisation. It's also um, an organisation that helps each other. That's what they do, and as I've explained before. In its simplest form, if you've got a bicycle shop and I sell flowers and you want flowers for your daughter's wedding and I want a bicycle, we do a trade. You know, it's, I'm quite sure that there are more, more things underneath that we don't understand about. But that was the, that was the easiest way that it was explained to me some, uh, some uh, time ago. Uh, the BBC, says Sam, shows so much snooker. It's one of the few sports they can afford and that nobody else wants is it really... I mean, is, is that how it works now? Is it really... I mean, it is the most boring thing under the sun. I don't know... I don't know why they bother showing it. The BBC lost the Grand National boat race. A lot of the Premier Football, World Cup, Rugby, Open Golf, Wimbledon is in doubt, as in Formula One. Well, they're about to axe darts. I don't know why they just don't axe sport full stop. I mean, the audience it must get are very small, aren't they? Would you not think that, that they they wouldn't be, you know, top top things? I, don't, well, I well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, pam, pam, Oh, thank you for people sending me in those, uh, male and female, um, urine bottles, which you can get on Amazon. Very useful, thank you. <laughs> Might be going to Amazon a little bit later on today. You never know, you never know. And, um, there was also the, uh, the other story. Uh, people, this is the slowest snow on earth. After their canal trip on the BBC, they can fill two hours of ITV, uh, sorry, of television by, uh, just showing people skiing and stuff like that, and a, and a reindeer ride. Do you know, uh, in, incidentally, after the out of the 700, 300 hours on the BBC over Christmas, four are devoted to Christian things. Four. Nothing else. Nothing else. That's it. That's their whole idea. Not that I think that Christmas has got anything to do with, with Christianity. It has been turned into the commercial venture, which it is. How many images? i tell you what I did see, though, the other day. And I nearly bought them. I've got nowhere to put them. And it's the baby Jesus and the three wise men and Mary and Joseph out of driftwood, made out of driftwood. And I looked at them, they were only 70 quid for each sort of pair, and I thought they were quite nice. And I thought, what am I going to do with them? But they did look quite good. The only reason I didn't buy them is the baby Jesus looks slightly sinister. (laughs) Uh, Last December's UK Snooker Championship final had a peak audience of point million. 3.25... That is tiny, isn't it? But who are they? they? Come on, put your hand up if it's... Not while you're driving. Not while you're driving. Who's watching snooker? Nobody could be watching it. That's the championship final, 3.25 million. Is that... Uh, I've had a drink. Oh, snooker. Do you think people just have it on? Because I don't watch any sport on the television. I'm not remotely interested. I couldn't care. less. it doesn't grip me in any way, shape or form. There's nothing about snooker that I find entertaining. Darts is the most boring thing under the sun. I mean, you know, if you want to sort of do chav sports, well, then shove them on Chav Channel. Let them have all that kind of stuff and let the rest of us folk, you know, have decent programmes. I mean, I'm expecting... I think Channel 5 is showing all Christmas films every day. Because I, what did I watch the other day? I was flipping through the channel when I got back. And uh, blow me down, E.T. again. E.T. for the umpteenth. Come on, there can't be anybody. Who's left who has not seen E.T.? Everybody. Well, you must have seen it about 1,500 times. It was taken out, wasn't it? There were bits that were edited out of E.T., out of the original film. And in fact, the bit that was edited is where E.T.'s going along. And they're going back. They're, they're going to try and get to E.T.'s spaceship. E.T. phone home, E.T. phone home. And, and they've got all the armed troopers there. The armed troopers are holding guns, and as E.T. gets there, he closes his eyes, and they take off over the cars, and all, we all clapped in the cinema. Yeah! Woo! 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 And then, of course, within five minutes, we're all in tears. But, uh, but when the film was, was re-edited for DVD, they've cut out the guns. So all the guns have been edited out of the troops. They're all standing there holding their hands like that, but there's no gun there. It looks slightly odd, but they, they, they cut it out. Uh, the police want to make it a crime to buy a drink for a friend who's drunk. Now, how they're going to enforce that one, I don't know. I mean, it's another nail in the coffin for the pub industry, isn't it, really, I suppose. I mean, very shortly, we, we, we won't have pubs because East Europeans don't, don't drink in, in bars. They just buy. I know because every day on the streets I'm picking up cans and bottles of, um, of, of vodka and stuff like that. And I think to myself, it's ridiculous. That's why pubs are suffering. They really are. The mother of all unholy rows. This is... Um, This is uh, Songs of Praises, Diane Louise Jordan. And, uh, um, yes, I called his new girlfriend Scum, she says, but my former son-in-law is a calculating control freak, just like evil Rob from The Archers. No, says her adopted daughter's ex. She's the controlling one, a mother-in-law from hell, ordered by police to stop harassing us. Lord, honestly. People airing their dirty linen in public is never very exciting. But talking of airing dirty linen, I cannot wait to read the carry-on bitching of kenneth williams uh, his uh, his unseen diaries people when his uh, first uh, diaries first came out which were called acid drops people were going to the index to see if they were in there if they were in there they bought the book to find out what he really said about them um, he lived uh, down the road he was on uh, baker street the house uh, the flats have been pulled down now used to be a plaque on the pavement but i believe that's gone as well he died in 1988 and uh, from an overdose, they say, and I must mention at the end of the programme this morning, somebody who I worked with at LBC for a long time, I know Ian Collins mentioned him, but Mike Allen died uh, the other day. He'd been in Brinsworth. Uh, Mike came to us from Capital. He used to do the Capital Show. I think it was his equipment. And he came to LBC and he did phone ins and uh, we shared producers. He always used to call me Dolly. Go, Hello, Dolly. He'd always talked like that. He was always impeccably dressed. Uh, he used to carry a briefcase. In it, I think, it was a packet of fags and some hairspray. And that was about it. He had carefully combed hair, but uh, he was a lovely man. He uh, he had dementia uh, towards the end of his life. But I know that there'll be lots of people who, uh, who've who listened to LBC over the years who will miss my... He was the only person, seriously, who brought a hip-hop show into LBC. On a Sunday evening, he'd be going <laughs> uh, giving a big shout-out to these, Streatham. I can't do it now, sorry, the the, the Stretton Mafia. And we used to have all this kind of stuff coming in, and we'd all sit there going, what are you talking about? We had no idea what he was on about, but he had, he did a hip-hop show on LBC, and uh, and he did a phone-in as well. He died the other day. He'll be, uh, he'll be much missed. I'm sure he's up there creating Merry Hell on a Cloud. Rest in peace, Mike. We miss you. We miss you loads. Uh, coming up very uh, shortly, it's... Uh all the all the podcasts. I forgot to mention the podcast. Nine o'clock this evening, uh, in conversation, Michael Mepurgo and Alexander Armstrong. Repeated nine o'clock. Do not forget it, and don't.